National Headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, here in the greater Nashville area, in the southern suburbs of Nashville, in the heart of Tennessee, with Tennessee and the world at heart, this is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. I'm delighted to welcome you today. We are at Wednesday, middle of the week, church time tonight. I hope you'll find your way to the house of God. Take advantage of your local church. Get your family in there and do everything you can to be a part of that. And it will bless your family, short term and long term, I promise you. So let's don't leave out the things that are important. This week I've been talking to you about the hate factor because hate is running rampant across America and around the world. And we need to understand what's going on with that. And so I have just tried to dig into it a little bit and explain some things, give a biblical perspective on why things are like they are. And I've told you already that really a lot of people hate Christians, and Jesus said they would hate us And when they did, it would be because of their hate for him. So because of our identity with Christ, we draw the ire of some people, and uh, that is just the way it is. Now, whenever we read in John's Gospel, chapter 15, where Jesus laid all of this out, here's another part of this that I had not read to you before, but let's look at verse 21 and following. Jesus said, "'All these things will they do unto you for my name's sake.'" because they know not him that sent me. So what he's saying is that even the Jews who are doing these hateful things to him and to the disciples at that time, he said they claim to know the Father, but they don't know the Father because if they did, they would not treat us the way they do. So whether it be Jew or Gentile, the principle is the same. Nobody can say, well, I know God the Father, and yet they're going to hate Jesus. That's just not the way it works. Jesus went on to say in verse 22, If I had not come and spoken to them, they had not sinned, but now they have no cloak for their sin. Now, what he's saying there is they uh, do not understand everything, and uh, they really were just kind of gliding along in their ignorance, but now they are advised. Now they have information, and so now they cannot just hide in ignorance. They have to acknowledge that uh, they are who they are doing what they do. And verse 23, he says, He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not sinned. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. Now, he's not saying that they were not sinners. He's talking about their reaction to him, their reaction to the message that he brought. And so now then they are without a cloak. Now then they are uncovered, they are exposed, they know the truth, and they cannot hide and pretend that they don't know what is going on. So he goes on then to say, but this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Now, You know, when I think about somebody hating the Lord Jesus, 
I think about the fact that he came to this earth. God the Father sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He came, he lived here for a while, died on the cross, arose from the grave, ascended back to heaven, did all of that so he could be Savior for the world and pointedly and specifically Savior to individual people one by one by one. Now, the fact is he has done a lot and a lot of good things and not anything bad at all. So why in the world do they hate him? Well, let me suggest a few things. One, I believe it can be said that the Lord Jesus stymies the ego of the unsaved man. Whether the unsaved man be Jew or Gentile, the fact is he has an ego. And if he's unsaved, that ego will drive him. That ego will possess him. That ego will get in his way a lot of times. And when Jesus shows up and proclaims the truth, it really, really puts a bind on that unsaved ego. And so when the ego gets in a cramp, it really begins to react. And that's what's going on here. Now, in the second place, I think Jesus is hated by a lot of these folks because he spoils their plans. They have plans to do things they ought not to do. They intend to do things that are, by anybody's definition, wicked things. That's where violence comes in. That's where robbery comes in. That's where uh, sexual abuse comes in. That's where all kinds of wicked things begin to happen. And when Jesus says, no, you can't steal, you can't lie, you can't cheat, you can't adulterate, you can't do all of these things, it spoils the plans of the unsaved person who has designs on doing those wicked things. So when the plans are spoiled, what do you do? Well, that unsaved wicked person reacts to that by uh, saying, well, I'll, I'll show him. I'll put my hatred to work on him. Now, not only that, but they hate him because he stirs up their emotions. Whenever you think about the fact that the Lord Jesus proclaims a very strong message, I mean, he gets down to the point, he gets right to the heart of the business of things and explains to me, to you, to all of us, the things that ought to be set aside, the things that we ought to do day by day by day. And whenever we hear that, we can either respond warmly or we can respond with a strong reaction. And these folks responded with a strong reaction. It set off their emotions. It caused them to be angry. Now, not only that, but they hate him because he silences their cursing. They really delight in uh, putting down people that they don't like, putting down people that are different from them, putting down people just because they want to be pumped up. Now, all of that, I mean, they just find themselves in a position, the wicked do, where they just love to curse people and say, you're no good, you're bad, we're going to dominate you, etc. And the Lord Jesus silences that. When you listen to him, you'll stop that kind of nonsense. And not only that, number five, he stifles their arguments. Whenever an argument is made uh, against the teachings that the Lord Jesus has put out and uh, given an opportunity to respond to that, 
I'm telling you, their arguments are going to look like the foolishness that they really are. And the Lord Jesus puts to silence the arguments of those who are intent on doing all kinds of worldly, fleshly, even satanic things in the world. Not only that, but I believe he is hated by many of them because he spans their generations. What I mean by that is he goes beyond anything that uh, any particular generation uh, says is what they want to be. I mean, you think about it, and uh, it's pretty obvious that Jesus has an element of eternality about him. He does, because he had no beginning, he'll have no end. He is eternal. And whenever you and I think about the truths that he articulates, what are we talking about here? We're just saying, I mean, what he says was truth 2,000 years ago is still true today. And what he says today will still be true a generation from now, two generations from now, three generations from now. And whenever we get into the kind of frame of mind that we have all across the land today where, hey, we're here now. We've got these ideas about how we want to do things. Nothing has ever been right before, but now then we're going to do what we want to do. It's like, you know, truth is what we want it to be. That is a mistake, folks. That is just absolutely sinful. It's wrong. It's not even in the neighborhood of where we ought to be or where we ought to live. And yet Jesus takes his message that he gave generations ago. He re-emphasizes it for our generation and makes clear that the truth is always the truth. He spans the generations. And this generation, like others before it, like others will be in the future, it's like, well, we want to do what we want to do. And the Lord Jesus says, hey, the game plan is still the same. Nothing has changed. We still are going to operate by the great basic eternal truths that we've always set in store. And uh, listen, heaven doesn't change. The great truths of God are fixed in eternity, and they are set for us in every generation. And we need to live by that. We need to not only take hold of it and embrace it, but we need to very, very definitely make much ado about it. Now, one more thing I think I can say here about this. He spurns their animosity, and they hate him for that. Whenever they show their hatred, he doesn't hate them back. Whenever they vent their hatred violently, he may deal with that. He may stand strong against that, but he does not condemn them eternally. He still offers them a hand up. He still offers them a way out. He still offers them the truth that is available to every single one of us. So why does the world hate the Lord Jesus? Well, just a little handful of things here that I think is involved, and uh, certainly there may be more issues as well. Now, one question that I want to raise here, because uh, it is a question that has uh, come up in regard to this hate factor, as we've talked about it uh, today and yesterday and the day before, uh, somebody says, well, doesn't God hate? Well, you can read in Proverbs chapter 6 where the, the Bible says that, uh, yes, there are six things, even seven, that the Lord hates, that they are an abomination unto him. It says a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren." That's Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. Now, you say, well, the Lord hates. Yes, but it is a different thing altogether. 
whenever we see the hatred of the world being vented against other people in violent ways, that is a wickedness that just should never, ever be tolerated. Whenever the Lord says that he hates something, it simply means that he is pointing out here is something that uh, does not meet muster with him. It does not gain favor with him. But instead, he's going to say, this is not the way to go, and it's something I do not approve of. I do not like it. And consequently, there's not going to be reward for that, but there may even be punishment for that. And so we are looking very definitely at some things that the Lord says, listen, we're not going to go there. We just are not going to do it. But instead, we're going to show that we dislike that very much. And when the Lord says that he hates something, we're not talking about violence here. We're not talking about destruction. We're talking about pointing people in a way that will, in fact, clean up their act and get things on track with the Lord like they ought to be. So whenever we've talked today and uh, these three days about the hate factor, it's pretty obvious that hate is running rampant across America and around the world. And a lot of people are getting engaged in that. We've had rioting in the streets just recently, and those riots are motivated by hatred. And whenever you and I see all of that, we need to stand up and speak up and let it be known that that is not who we are, and that's not the way we conduct business. We're going to do things the Lord's way, and when we do that, it's going to be good for everybody, not just a handful. So we have every reason to understand the cause and the consequences when hatred is given a place to vent itself. I hope this has been a help to you. I want it to be, and I think perhaps that it was needed. So thank you for being along today, and I trust that you'll get in touch with me as quickly as you possibly can. i love to hear from you. So write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith, at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Well, until tomorrow, God bless you. Have a good rest of the day, and goodbye for now.